Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mom of the Hard Kid. Today, we're going to be diving into the ever so prevalent attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. We're going to be looking a lot in the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And <laughs> we're, we're going to have a good time with this one because I think this is one where they've said that the prevalence of diagnoses of ADHD have gone up 42% in the last eight years. So I think a lot of teachers, a lot of therapists know about ADHD. According to Healthline, they say that 6.1% of American children are being medicated for ADHD. When you look at Attitude Magazine, which is ADD Etude Magazine, they say that there are in the school system. So let's break it up between six and 11 years old. There's 9.6% of the children have ADHD. And between 12 and 17, there are 13% who have a diagnosed ADHD. So when you look up what ADHD is, <laughs> there is a lot of information. You have as a general basic rule, you have three types. And you'll go places and they'll be like, oh, there's like 470,000 different types. And you're like, okay, <laughs> which one does my kid have? So there is the impulsive hyperactive type and the inattentive distractible type. And then there is this third one that's the combined type. So I grew up probably with more of a combined type. And as you delve down the hole of ADHD, there's so much information there. And a lot of it is fairly similar, but there is also a lot of contradictory information. So know that you're not going to get as solid as information if you just kind of look everywhere. But it's probably okay. So when it talks about it in the DSM-5, now, I'm going to remind you, I have the old DSM-5, not the new one. The new one kind of puts a lot of things on a spectrum, and there can be some changes, but there are not a lot of significant changes in the additions that they have. But when you go to the regular DSM-5, there's, there's a lot of pages. You kind of have references on page 11, page 32, pages 59 through 66. So there's a lot of information and it's kind of a good resource to go to if you suspect your child has attention deficit disorder. However, <laughs> I think that when you hit the point where your ADHD is problematic, you usually aren't really wondering that much if your child has attention deficit disorder. So I happen to be gifted with one ADHD child in which the H is capitalized and, you know, made bigger three times. And then I have another one who is inattentive. And it is astonishing just how life works for these two kids <laughs> because they are very similar as well as, of course, very different. So there are some times when we joke because we're very open about what everybody has. And because I think at our house, when things get frustrating, I want them to know why it's frustrating. So when, when I have a son who has inattentive ADHD and he 
is told to do something and he walks by something shiny and then that thing doesn't get done, I want him to understand why I'm upset. And so when I can give him the reason why, and I'm like, well, you know that you have this inattentive ADHD, which makes this happen. From here, it's very frustrating. I know it's not intentional. And we can have a nice conversation about it instead of living in our anger. So page 11 doesn't really give you much information, but page 32 quotes, ADHD is a neurodevelopmental disorder defined by impairing levels of inattention, disorganization, and or hyperactivity impulsivity. Inattention and disorganization entail inability to stay on task, seeming not to listen, and losing materials at levels that are inconsistent with age or developmental level. I I have a laugh in the back of my voice because I, (laughs) I know all of the things, and I'm sure many of you do too. Hyperactivity impulsivity entails overactivity, fidgeting, inability to stay seated, intruding into other people's activities, inability to wait, symptoms that are excessive for age or developmental level. In childhood, ADHD frequently overlaps with disorders that are often considered to be externalizing disorders, such as oppositional defiance disorder and conduct disorder. ADHD often persists into adulthood with resultant impairments of social, academic, and occupational functioning. I feel like this is probably the best definition in the entire book. It's one paragraph. It gets to the point. It's not too difficult to understand and follow. And I really think that if you're looking for a concise uh, piece of information to see if your child has it, check there. I Because I grew up with ADHD and my sibling right above me had ADHD, I didn't really realize that there were so many people who didn't have ADHD. My parents, I wouldn't call them fidgety. I wouldn't call them problematic, but but the symptoms that you have for ADHD as a child, they shift when you become an adult. So sometimes your ADHD as an adult moves from something physical to something mental where your brain just does not turn off. So when you hit page 59 and you're going through the diagnostic criteria, there are many. So one of the requirements is that you have to have six or more of the nine symptoms and they have to be for at least six months and they have to be inconsistent with developmental level and they have to have negative impacts directly on your social and or academic occupational activities. So they have it split. They have nine under inattention And then they have nine under hyperactivity and impulsivity. So you have to have six or more in one section and six or more in the other. And you either have what is listed below as the combined type, the predominantly inattentive type, or the predominantly hyperactive type. So the first thing I'm just going to go through, and I'm going to try and go quickly because there's a lot of stuff here we're going to talk about the inattentive type. So the first set where you have to have six or more. And I know that I have a child who has inattentive ADHD. So we're going to kind of walk through it and see which ones he has of these nine criteria. So A, often fails to give close attention to details or makes careless mistakes in schoolwork, at work, or other activities. So for example, overlives 
overlooks or misses detail or works are inaccurate. Now, when it comes to scholastic work, my inattentive guide does not do this. But when it comes to other things, it does. I don't know if I've told this story because we're hitting enough episodes that I forget what I've already said. But (laughs) we play tennis and my son is sitting there with two shoes on and one sock because he forgot to put on the other sock. So there are definitely moments when this happens, but we luck out that it hasn't happened at school, at least what the teachers have told me. (laughs) So... B, often has difficulty sustaining attention in tasks or play activity. So for example, has difficulty remaining focused during lectures, conversations, or lengthy readings. This one's me, (laughs) but my, uh, yes, we watch movies with my inattentive ADHD -er, and he has to jump on a mini trampoline behind the couch because if he doesn't he will climb all over the couch and he will do somersaults and he will do all these things you guys he's not little anymore (laughs) so he does all of these things because he cannot sit still I think they put new chairs in the classroom for him because he just he can't do it he he hates having to focus on that see often does not seem to listen when spoken to directly. I mean, that's exactly who he is. If he is not looking you in the eye, he's probably listening better than if he is looking you in the eye. And I think partially for him, it's because then he's focusing on what your eye is doing, what your brow is doing, what your nose looks like and what, and he just gets distracted. So when he's not looking, he's listening better than when he's looking. So D, often does not follow through with instruction and fails to finish schoolwork, chores, or duties in the workplace. I don't know why. My son hyper-focuses on school, so we get really good in the school area, which is a blessing and a gift. But at home, forget it. He will get lost on his way down the stairs to the laundry room. He will have you guys... (laughs) I love this kid. I love him so much. I love all of my kids. But I said to him the other day, okay, buddy, I need you to take your sheets off your bed and put them in the wash. I said, there is enough room in the washing machine for two sheets and two blankets. So I said, you can, you can do everything that's on your bed. He had this extra blanket. So I said, everything except this blanket. And he goes, okay. So I check up on him. I'm like, did you start the washing machine? Yes. Did you switch over the washing machine? Yes. Did you put your stuff back on your bed? No. Why? Well, cause I only want, I only have clean blankets. Why? Cause I only wash the blankets. Why? (laughs) Because he was going to take them down in two sets. But then he, so he's got the two blankets. So he takes them down and he totally forgets the sheets because that would require him to go back upstairs. And by the time he's got the the blankets inside the washing machine, then he's, he's forgotten. But when I reminded him, he was like, oh yeah, I better start the washing machine. So then he starts the washing machine, but he forgot about the sheets. And this is every day with this kid. He is so smart in so many areas. but This is so frustrating. And so I said to him, I'm like, you take those sheets down and you wash them now. And he was like, okay. So I said, put them in the washing machine. So then 
I come down the next day and they are sitting on the washing machine unwashed. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, because he got them down there. But by the time they get to the washing machine, he's forgotten what the whole point of this conversation was. He doesn't remember. And off he goes. <laughs> I might not make it. I got too many stories for this one. <laughs> Our house is an ADHD festival sometimes. <laughs> we have, what, six total people and only three of us have ADHD. And yet it is quite story filled. It's <laughs> amusing. Okay, so E often has difficulty organizing tasks and activities. I think this kind of just goes with the rest. It's because he can't he can't. If he hyper focuses on it, sure. And we luck out again that a lot of scholastic things keep his interest. But if he can't, I mean, forget it. Like you're you're just not getting a beginning, middle and end from him. You're going to get a beginning and a beginning and then he'll restart the beginning 400 times and then maybe you'll get an end and you won't get a middle. Like it's really, it's kind of entertaining right now when I'm not in the middle of a project with him. <laughs> okay. F, often avoids, dislikes, or is reluctant to engage in tasks that required sustained mental effort. Yes, not for schoolwork, but when it comes to any kind of um, listening to people or, or having to be quick in replies, that's, that doesn't make sense. So when you're having a conversation with him about his behavior or things like that, and he has to respond to these questions because of his behavior, and now he's in a situation where he has to be verbally accountable for that, he hates it, hates it. G, often loses things necessary for tasks and activities. For examples, pencils, books, wallets, keys, paperwork, eyeglasses, mobile telephones. He's at the age where I am almost, I gave his sister a cell phone at this age. <laughs> I can't, I can't give him one. I really think I love him to death, but it's like, it's practically like throwing it away. I'm like, is there some sort of $15 option where he can just push a button like a pager and it pages me in an emergency and I can walkie talkie him because I do that. But it just, I know he's not going to keep it. He can't remember where his shoes are. He doesn't know where his coats are. He doesn't, he has more than one coat. And one of his coats even separates into a jacket and a coat, but he can't find any of them. I buy him sweatshirts. He can't find them. I don't even have a clue where they would be, but he has misplaced every warm outerwear that he owns and he has no idea where they are. <laughs> so I'm nervous to give him a cell phone. H is often easily distracted by extraneous stimuli. For older adolescents and adults, this may include unrelated thoughts. So absolutely for me, this is mine. I can tell you, I go down every freaking hill and valley of thought on everything I look at. But when it comes to my son, if it is a screen, my son can't, it's like, it's like he is, it's like he's a bug. You know how they go to, towards those lights that zap him? And he's like, oh, light. And he just cannot help himself. It's hilarious. Um, and I is often forgetful in daily activities, doing chores, running errands, 
for older adolescents and adults, it would be returning calls, paying bills and keeping appointments. And this is hilarious to me because my oldest child, she's got anxiety. So she plans, plans and replans and sets up her plan. And then I have this other kid who they could not be cut from a more different cloth in so many ways. And he's just like, what? I'm supposed to do what? And then you walk him through it and you re-talk to him about it and you organize it and you have them reframe it back to you. And then it's, it's just like, what? just totally falls out. So I have to do a lot of checking in on him. And I have told him that he's got to figure out some coping mechanisms because when he is old and he moves out of my house, I'm not going to be there to check on him and make sure he puts his sheets in with his blankets. (laughs) I I need him to be able to figure out a little plan in his head for the whole thing. Okay, we're going to move on to section two with the hyperactivity and impulsivity. And I'm going to move over to my youngest child with this because she doesn't have the other stuff as much. She's definitely hyperactive and impulsive. And the other kid, while he has some hyperactive hyper tendencies, I wouldn't put him in this category. But you know what, let's go through and we'll see if he needs to be combined. But I kind of don't think so. Let's see. So A is often fidgets or taps hands or feet or squirms in seat. Okay, this is still me. <laughs> I still have this one. Um, but for sure, my my youngest child cannot sit in her chair. She gets up 900 times during dinner. And actually, my son gets up a bunch during dinner too. So that's and he taps his feet all the time. And he likes, he likes to do that thing where if he's on a couch, he's like rubbing his foot against the couch so that it, and tapping his foot. He just really likes that. So nope, there's one. I need six in order to get him a hyperactivity diagnosis, but unofficially, like through, through me as a mom, (laughs) not from someone official. Okay. B, Often leaves seat in situations when remaining seating is expected. Seated is expected. Okay, that was tons. Uh Uh-huh, for sure, both of them. Mostly the youngest, though, because while my son gets up and he kind of dances around while he's eating, um, she, she, she cannot sit there. She Having her little bottom on the bench is like torture to her. C, often runs about or climbs in situations where it's inappropriate. I think I brought up the movie part about this where my son climbs on the couch and I had to buy him a little trampoline. (laughs) So look, there's three for him right now. And my daughter, she actually does fairly okay watching television, but that's it. She, She has a really hard time sitting in class. She has a really hard, when someone is not entertaining her enough, she has a really hard time. So like at church or um, if we're talking with friends or things like that, she she dies inside. That's really hard for her. D, often unable to go to play or engage in leisurely activities quietly. Now my son can read books easy peasy, quietly. That's great. My daughter cannot do this. She cannot be quiet to save her life. She cannot. I mean, you will remind her a thousand times that she needs to keep her mouth quiet. She cannot do it. All right. 
E is often, quote, on the go, acting as if, quote, driven by a motor. For sure with my daughter, not so much with my son. So she never stops. She never stops. If she does stop, then she's not feeling well. <laughs> and and even her, if she's not feeling well, she'll barf and then she'll run around the house like 20 times. And then she'll start to feel sick again and slow down. But I'm like, I have never in my life felt sick to my stomach and wanted to run around my house once. <laughs> Not even, not even right after, you know, you have those few minutes after where you're like, I'm, I might survive. You know? <laughs> nope. She just flips into super hyper and runs around. F often talks excessively. So this was me. I can show you my citizenship grades to prove it. I often got asked when I was out places, they didn't ask if I had ADHD, but they'd be like, do you you know, get bad grades for your citizenship. Yeah, like I <laughs> it was a lot. But my daughter, like I said, she cannot turn it off. She doesn't know how. And if there's something she wants to say, and I have not allowed her to say it, she um, blows up inside, and <laughs> falls apart. So for example, uh, this morning, she wanted to explain to me that the reason she changed her pants is because she'd sat in something. And so she's explaining why she wants to change her pants. Well, I understood that because someone had already told me. I said, I know you changed your pants. I just want you to hurry and get your socks on. Well, I changed my pants. I know, you know, we're trying to get out the door. I'm like, I know. And and instead of just letting her finish, because that would have been the nice thing to do, I was like, I know, please go get your socks on, you know. But she and then she's angry and I've ruined her day and ruined my day partially because I didn't just let her explain to me why about the pants. And I, I assure you, she eventually told me because she can't help herself. That little filter that's like, oh, not right now. That doesn't exist in her. She's just like, I have to get it out now. Right now is the only moment that matters, which I think leads into G often blurts out an answer before a question has been completed. My husband gets mad at me for this one all the time. <laughs> so this is me and my daughter who is not biologically uh, related to me. She has this one to the point where some emails from her teacher have been about this very thing. H has difficulty waiting his or her turn. <laughs> I went to my daughter's school today to talk to her teacher about her behavior. I also help with some reading and passing off reading and things like that. And she's, everybody goes and sits and listens to this lady give this lecture about polar bears. And so the teacher comes and talks to me and she's like, there's a little girl in class and, and your daughter and her are constantly like, getting physical about who's first in line and they'll like grab each other and throw each other and because they want to be first they have to be first and shove people over she's like it's very intense and I was like oh I <laughs> I some things I think a lot about and I think okay answers for sure I can figure out some solutions but we don't wait in lines at my house so I don't really I haven't thought about this. So I'm like, Oh, no, I'm so sorry. So I just talked to her when she gets home, I guess. But the last one is I and I is often interrupts or intrudes on others. And I love these examples. 
butts into conversations, games, or activities, may start using other people's things without asking or receiving permission. For adults, may intrude in or take over what others are doing. So for me, I will take over a conversation. I have tried so hard to learn that one. But for little lady, she does all of these things. (laughs) She cannot help she just can't help herself. That impulsivity is really, really strong in her. So if you read this, it'll talk about on page 61. Oh, first though, it talks about the severity. So you have mild, moderate, or severe. And my little lady has severe ADHD. And my son, I I don't know, he was never given a severity when he got his, but I would probably put him at the very low end of severe with his inattentive. He's just our little, our little absent-minded professor, just like Albert Einstein, because Albert Einstein used to show up to his laboratory and only have one of his buttons buttoned, or he would forget, he would forget a lot of stuff. So I always tell my kids, my ADHD kids, that in a way, having ADHD is a superpower, It is really, really an excellent attribute to be able to have a ton of energy. I think a lot of us wish we had more, right? So high energy in its own way is a superpower. And these kids that have this inattentive ADHD, in some ways, they are better observationalists than most of us are. So my son notices things that I don't notice because he gets distracted by them and he sees them and then he checks it off in his brain and goes on to the next thing. And they are able to see things and remember things that I don't remember. So I'll often go to my son and say, hey, I don't know where my purse is. Do you know where my purse is? And he's like, yeah, it's downstairs on the couch. Like whatever, whatever, because he just, he noticed it. And then he walked by and he noticed it. And he, he doesn't, have life pass him by in the ways that some of us have life pass us by. So my other kids who are not ADHD in their own ways have their own superpowers, of course. But I just want to make sure that these kids don't think that they are less than just because there's a lot of stressful issues that come with work or with school. Because a lot of people who have ADHD, while they might not always show up in productivity in the typical ways that we measure productivity, they bring to the world something that is beneficial to the world, the observation skills and the intensity and the energy. And my daughter also has a massive amount of tenacity. And so when you mix somebody who is like, I have to be doing something with somebody who's saying to herself, oh, I failed that. Let me try again. Let me try again. Let me try again. You're going to end up with a certain type of success that is actually really nice. And my son knows more fascinating facts about random stuff than anybody else that I know because it catches his interest for a minute and then he logs that and then it catches his interest and he logs that and he and he's able to bring a more no like a kaleidoscope of ideas in a world where people don't always 
understand that there are other viewpoints and other things that mesh into other areas. And I think that it will be very beneficial in this life. And of course, I think it goes without saying that there are definite benefits to not having ADHD. (laughs) I think it's been really interesting because my husband, I don't think he has even a drop of ADHD in his body. And I have a decent drop, couple drops, several drops. (laughs) And it's, we're able to complement each other in that way. It definitely doesn't make things easy, but it I do think that there are some benefits of having both type of people. Well, as you go through and you're looking, you have the diagnostic features, which I recommend going through. Um, associated features supporting diagnosis. This one was funny. <laughs> so I'm reading this one. And it says, quote, mild delays in language, motor or social development are not specific to ADHD, but often co occur. Associated features. Now, husband, I want you to listen to this. Associated features may include low frustration tolerance, irritability, or mood lability. <laughs> oh, you guys, that's me. <laughs> Even in the absence of a specific learning disorder, academic work or performance is often impaired. Now, not again, like I said, not always, but they do say it does usually have an effect on your schoolwork. So for me, I did have a hard time when I was growing up because I. I was just distracted. I the teacher's saying stuff and and then she turns into the Charlie Brown teacher where she's like wah 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 wah. But if I'd go home and I'd read my book on my own, then I then I'd get it, but I couldn't stand sitting there and I had to do things in little portions and little sections and I didn't want to. I didn't want to do it. So I'm going to move on. But the prevalence, they say, is in about 5% of children and two and a half of adults. And I don't know if this is because you kind of grow out of it. But like I said, sometimes your ADHD as a child mellows into something that is like overthinking. There's a lot of anxiety that comes with ADHD, a lot of depression that comes with ADHD. And a lot of that has to do with your brain and you can't turn off your brain. So for me, when my hyperactivity portion sort of shifted to overthinking, I got a lot of like medical anxiety because you hyper focus in certain areas and I would do that. Oh, it's exhausting for us all. <laughs> so they say that you can have ADHD because of environment and also because of genetics and other physiological things. So they do have a section in here that says, specify if in partial remission. When full criteria were previously met, fewer than the full criteria have been met in the last six months. And the symptoms still result in impairment in academic, social, or occupational functioning. So they're saying that there really is a way that you can kind of I don't know if the word is heal or grow out of, but they're saying that that is an actual category inside. So those of you who are like absolutely falling apart from your ADHD symptoms and your child, I hope this gives you a little bit of hope. I did hear from a friend yesterday and they were saying how their, once their son hit teenage years, it got better. (laughs) I was like, good. 
good because the teenage years are terrifying to me. So near the end of the chapter, they have a section called differential diagnoses. And then they have the last section of comorbidity. It kind of goes off to about other specified attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder. This is when things don't really match, but they kind of match, which kind of is what the differential diagnoses are, is they want you to say, hey, it could be ADHD, but it could be these other things. And they have oppositional defiant disorder, intermittent explosive disorder, other neurological disorders like uh, Tourette's, for example. Uh, They also have specific learning disorders, which they actually talk about right after this. So if your child has a learning disorder, it's a good one to look at as well. Intellectual disabilities, autism spectrum disorder, reactive attachment disorder, anxiety disorders, depressive disorders, bipolar disorder, disruptive mood, dysregulation disorders, substance use disorders. Oh my goodness, you guys. Personality disorders, psychotic disorders, medication-induced symptoms of ADHD, and last but not least, neurocognitive disorders. So what they're saying is, Your kid might have this other thing um, and it might show up in a way that this chaos and ADHD sort of is an umbrella term for chaos. So a lot of people assume that the kid has ADHD because the kid is in chaos, but it could be one of these other things. Now I talked about reactive attachment disorder and I'm going to read that because my daughter has it, but she has been officially diagnosed with ADHD even though she has reactive attachment disorder, because I, for sure, (laughs) she does have a genetic component of ADHD in her family history, but I'm going to read to you this reactive attachment part. Children with reactive attachment disorder may show social disinhibition, but not the full ADHD symptom cluster and display other features such as lack of enduring relationships that are not characteristics of ADHD. So one thing that I didn't find is trauma ADHD. My therapist talks about it or her therapist talks about it. Her psychiatrist, I mean her psychologist, oh my gosh, no psychiatrist. There's too many. I can't get it. He talks about how the trauma can create something that is reminiscent of ADHD. And so I think when we have trauma in our children's lives and it generates chaos, it will show up in a lot of these different things. Now, one beautiful thing that gave me a lot of hope, number one, is that my daughter has improved a ton. But number two, that part where it says partially in remission, because if you can focus on the trauma that your child has had and you can heal the trauma portion, then you're going to experience a drop in some of the intensity of these symptoms. It's it's just going to happen. When you have a child who has the chaos of trauma in their head and they just live in that chaos and their chaos is their home base and that's where they feel comfortable and then you shift the comfort to something else, then they move away from the need for chaos. So a lot of people will end up with some sort of form of ADHD and I, I really... I'm going out on a limb here. Remember, I'm just a mom, but I'm going out on a limb here. And I'm going to say, I think when it comes to kids who have either trauma ADHD or even regular ADHD, I think there is a need to regulate 
a lot more than most people need to regulate. So if they didn't learn that as a baby or whatever it was just due to circumstances. But I think kids who have autism, I think that they have really done a good job at focusing in on the need to teach emotional regulation or to have like a timeout space or a quiet space. Some of these kids are going to seek stimuli and some of them are going to run from stimulus. And you have to be able to provide your child with an environment to be able to, no, you don't have to. (laughs) Ideally, we'd like to provide an environment where our kids can regulate every once in a while. And I think even with myself looking back, I think when life got intense, I matched the intensity of life and then I overshot it because then it gave me the power to make it through whatever situation I was in. But if I could have some minutes, some calm, some some time to sort of quiet the voices in my head and and the intensity that's going on in my brain, then maybe I could have approached a lot of my life situations without as much intensity. So what I do with my kids is I give them the time where I say, hey, I think you're overstimulated. You need to go read on your bed. Or even with my daughter who is stimulus seeking, sometimes I'll put some headphones on or a song on and and make her, you know, she loves to dance. So I'll say, hey, turn on the song, do your dance. Or we have this gigantic bucket of black beans. <laughs> she plays with her toys in these disgustingly dirty black beans and she just gets some of her you know stimulus seeking done there and it really it really helps her to regulate for some reason anyway ADHD lots of information about there I do think that they do have a lot of knowledge about this in schools and in therapy but the only thing I caution is to be aware, like it had that gigantic section of differential diagnoses, know that other things can be happening with your kid that show up as the chaos that is ADHD. So know that it might not actually be the only answer that you get when you're seeking for answers for trouble from your kids. And sometimes you'll give a medication and you'll be like, why is this not working? Well, sometimes that's not the actual problem. Sometimes you just have to, you know, work through and find what medication works, which takes a long time, several months, but other times it could be something else. So I wish you the best. I know ADHD is out there. I know that you parents of children with ADHD are exhausted. (laughs) I just want you to know, I see you. I hear you and I will be there at the Parent of the Crazy Kid convention because ah, it is an interesting life to have it and to raise it. So I wish you all the best and thanks so much for joining.